Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sira, and much more. So our first speaker is going to talk about the Rohingya people, the Rohingya Muslims. So he's actually brother Abdul Rafi, Abu Rafi from the United States. He's going to deliver a 20-minute speech. So without further ado, I'm giving the floor right away to brother Abu Rafi. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Rabbi sadri wa yassili amri min lisani yafqahu qawli. The genocide against the Rohingya Muslims has been one of the most brutal atrocities committed against the Ummah in the recent years. The Rohingya Muslims have been described as the world's most persecuted minority, an unfortunate label that indicates the plight of a people who have been persecuted by the Burmese government for decades. We've all seen the painful images of women, children, elderly, and even babies that have been massacred. And the ones who have somehow escaped the ethnic cleansing found no respite in the oceans they drowned in or the neighboring countries that pushed them off. The West and the Muslim rulers have failed to protect the Rohingya Muslims from the state-sponsored killing fields, systemic rape, ethnic cleansing, torture, and brutal hatred against a minority group that is pejoratively called Bengali by the Myanmar or Burmese nation state. So far, approximately 900,000 refugees are living in squalor in Bangladesh and thousands have been killed by the horrific violence committed by the Burmese army in the Rakhine region. Now, Historically, the Rohingya Muslims in the Rakhine region are not foreign illegals from Bangladesh as claimed by the Burmese or the Myanmar government. Islam actually came to this region during the Abbasi Khilafah and historical records show that Muslims were present as far back as the 7th century when, for example, the Badr Mukam Masjid was built or the Sandi Khan Masjid that was built in 1433 by a Muslim army general called Sandi Khan. Moreover, from 1430 to 1784, the Muslims ruled the Rakhine region with the help of the Sultan of Bengal. Later, this area became a British colony. And eventually, after the military junta took over power in 1962, the plight of the Muslims worsened with institutionalized targeting and denial of citizenship. The genocide that started in late 2016 is part of decades of crimes committed by the military junta and under the so-called democratically elected Tianjin government. Now, moreover, Aung San Suu Kyi, the, the famously known uh, who's famously known for her Nobel Peace Prize, and, he, and she's a key figure in the ruling NLD party, has been complicit in the genocide of our Ummah. This year, in February 2021, the commander-in-chief uh, Min Hong Lang launched a coup d'etat and seized power, deposing the so-called democratically elected government and detained Aung San Suu Kyi. Now, the new military junta and the so-called democratic government uh, both continue to apply the same policies towards the Rohingya Muslims. Now, this brings us to the laws that are implemented. The Rohingya Muslims are not protected by any of these Burmese nation-state laws. They are subjected to laws that deny them basic rights and even legal protection. Laws like the 1982 Citizenship Law that denies them a legal status, essentially rendering the Rohingya Muslims stateless. Now, other racist laws and draconian laws require Muslim couples to gain permission before they marry from the state. 
laws that even deny them education. And then there are laws that limit only two children per family, more specifically applied to the Muslim Rohingyas. Now, these are laws, there are, there are other laws that even take away land from the Rohingya Muslims. There are informal taxes that are put upon them, and they're permitted, they're, 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 they're not permitted to have free access uh, in, in, in the country. They're confined to certain concentration camps. These government camps that they are positioned in, and they're not allowed to even work or seek medical treatment outside. The police and the, the army continuously monitor such camps, and, and there is significant disease and malnutrition that occurs in these camps, and the state is, the, essentially does not take care of them whatsoever. Now, the penalty of leaving such camps, these such concentration camps, is you get imprisoned by the Rohingya government. And let's say if you're caught by random citizens who, uh, are, who are vigilante, in the, uh, they end up lynching you. So essentially, these so-called government camps are nothing but concentration camps. Now, all such policies have their roots in the disease of nationalism and the nation-based concept, which, inshallah, I will discuss later on. Now, coming to the United States and the geopolitics of the region, despite Burma being a poor country, it is rich in natural resources, untapped resources like oil and gas and precious stones. Now, Burma fits into a geopolitical context of America's plan to contain China's regional influence. From Burma's western coastline, China has built a natural gas and oil pipeline that links it to the Bay of Bengal up to the southwest of China. Now, this is China's way of reducing its, uh, its reliance on the Malacca Straits, through which almost 80% of its energy supplies pass. Now, this partially explains why the Burmese junta began to slowly open up to the outside world in 2010. And right away, the Americans were very quick to establish better relations. Now, President Obama at that time went to pay his respects in person to the Burmese government, the Burmese junta at that time. Now, if, if, if they're able, if the United States is able to have an influence of, on Burma, then it can have a check on China and hence fulfilling a certain geopolitical um, uh, position. So as a result, this, within this geopolitical context, the crimes of the Burmese government are being given diplomatic cover by the powers that be, especially the United States. In 2013, President Obama, he told President Thien Sen that, quote, we are very much appreciative of your efforts and leadership in leading Myanmar in a new direction. We want, to know, we want you to know that the United States will make every effort to assist you on what I know is a long and sometimes difficult, but ultimately correct path to follow, end quote. Moreover, the United States has invited the, the Burmese military junta in its largest multinational military field exercise called the uh, Cobra Gold. And this happened in February, 2018. Now, this is despite the U.S., you know, terming uh, Myanmar's military crackdown on the Rohingya Muslims as ethnic cleansing, quote, ethnic cleansing. The, the U.S. has had historical ties with the Myanmar military. Myanmar has sent more officers to the United States than any other country, according to uh, Meng Ang Myo, the author of Building the Tadmadao Myanmar Armed Forces since 1948. So on the one hand, the United States makes these verbal gestures, applies certain sanctions, but then by their hidden hand, it seeks its national interest at the expense of the Muslims. Now added to this is the role of the United is the role of the UN. Now despite even the UN's verbal gestures or the international community's verbal gestures and the so-called international human rights organizations and the laws that they call for, none whatsoever have provided any due protection or legal recourse for the Rohingya Muslims. Now coming to the immigration status of Rohingyas in the United States, 
Now, the U.S. has provided, in terms of what it provides in legal protection at home, for example, in 2015, approximately 4,000 Rohingya refugees were admitted to the United States. That number fell far down uh, during the Trump administration. So, for example, in 2019, the U.S. admitted only 593 Rohingyas. Now, Biden, on the other hand, you know, he recently launched a joint uh, resource plan this year uh, called the Rohingya Humanitarian Crisis, pledging about $155 million in new assistance to support the Rohingya refugees uh, and the host communities in Bangladesh. Similarly, also what we see that within the recent coup d'etat that happened in February of this year, the United States has placed certain sanctions on key military figures in the military junta. Now, despite a slight change in policies on how to deal with the new regime, the U.S. has only taken 125,000 refugees from Myanmar over the past 10 years. Now, that includes the Obama administration uh, as well as the Trump administration. Now, going back to the history of the United States, the U.S. has a dark history of of its own on how it treated its minorities in the past like the Native Americans, like the African Americans, like the Chinese and the Japanese, just to name a few. The U.S., you know, by law, for example, it put Japanese in concentration camps and black people were enslaved. And not too long ago, a whole society was segregated by the Jim Crow laws. Moreover, there is fear-mongering of immigrants or refugees that, are, that is rife in this country currently. So the point is, and the point that has to be made, is that the so-called legal protections or human rights are subject to change at the whims of the national interests and the nationalistic tendencies or identities. Muslims, for example, here in the United States are looked at with suspicion. They are criminalized by anti-terrorism laws. They are spied upon by police and federal agencies. And Muslim communities are infiltrated by counter-violent extremism programs. Hatred against Islam and the Muslims is fostered by politicians and the media alike. There is anti-immigrant sentiments and there is a fear of the foreign Muslim. Now, this spans both the Republican and the Democratic governments. And now all of this is due to nationalism and the nation-state concept of statehood. Now, this concept of statehood, based upon the sense of nationality, has caused death and destruction throughout the world. It It is divisive at its core, and it has caused millions of deaths, and endless wars of domination. Nationalism, it feeds on dominating the other while falsely elevating the self, the family, the tribe, and the nation state upon which certain identities that it holds and it builds its people on. It incites fear of the other and it builds on this perceived threat of the other. Nationalism has failed even Western countries to unite its people, to bring about harmonious societies. For example, in the recent, the recent riots that we have seen in the United States with the police killings and the Black Lives Matter movement, these are prime examples of how Western liberal societies that are built on nationalism or the nation-state concept have, have failed to build a harmonious society and failed to bring people together. Nationalism and the nation-state model upon which this so-called postmodern world is built upon, it actually dehumanizes other races and ethnicities. It views immigrants as an economic burden. It discriminates based on color of its people. It discriminates based on economic status. And it, and it views people from an economic or a political interest perspective, rather than looking at people from a, from, as human beings and taking care of their sufferings and, 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 and their well-being. Now, it, the nationalism, it has perpetuated war and indiscriminate violence against helpless poor people. And it has denied people rights and protection from the very laws the nation state implements. 
Now, as far as Islam is concerned, Rasul Rasulullah he says that he, anyone who calls for a sabiya, nationalism, or who fights for a sabiya, or who dies for a sabiya, he's not one of us. So Islam categorically, it rejects nationalism. And it views people of different colors, races, ethnicities, tribes, cultures, different languages as human beings that are protected and are afforded rights by the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the shara by its very definition. It is unbiased and does not discriminate against certain people, certain, certain ethnicities, certain colors, certain genders, or whether you're a Muslim or a kafir. For centuries under the Khilafah state, varied people were governed by the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the track record of the Khilafah state is a prime example of how Islam brought different peoples together and built a harmonious society. For example, an English writer, H.G. Wells, he writes about the justice of the Khilafah. He says, quote, they established great traditions of just tolerance. They inspire people with a spirit of generosity and tolerance and are humanitarian and practical. They created a humane community in which it was rare to see cruelty and social injustice, unlike any community that came before it, end quote. Now, I would like to add something more. I would say that any, it, it, this example of what he talks about, I would add that on any nation state that has come after it. And I ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, where, in which country, in the current world order, can such a situation be seen? Our concept from Islam of building a society, bringing different people together and organizing a state is drastically different than the nation state concept. Our vision for the world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That, O oh Muhammad, we have sent to you, we have sent you, O oh Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, only as a mercy for, ho- for the whole world, for, the, for humanity, for mankind. So our vision is to bring mercy to the world. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mercy of this deen of Islam. It is to build a state with compassion for human beings. It is not to be brutal and genocidal like what we see today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, Kitabun Anzalnahu ilayka li tukhrijan nasa minu dhulumati ila nur. Bi idni rabbihim ila sirat al aziz al hamid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, we have revealed to you this book, this, this Quran, so that you may bring nations, you may bring people from all different parts of the world out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. وَآخِرَ الدَّعْوَانَ أَنَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَأَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ Energy supplies pass. Now this partially explains why the Burmese junta began to slowly open up to the outside world in 2010. And right away, the Americans were very quick to establish better relations. Now, President Obama at that time went to pay his respects in person to the Burmese government, the Burmese junta at that time. Now, if, if, if they're able, if the United States is able to have an influence of, on Burma, then it can have a check on China and hence fulfilling a certain geopolitical um, uh, position.
So as a result, this within this geopolitical context, the crimes of the Burmese government are being given diplomatic cover by the powers that be, especially the United States. In 2013, President Obama, he told President Thien Sen that, quote, we are very much appreciative of your efforts and leadership in leading Myanmar in a new direction. We want, to know, we want you to know that the United States will make every effort to assist you on what I know is a long and sometimes difficult, but ultimately correct path to follow, end quote. Moreover, the United States has invited the, the Burmese military junta in its largest multinational military field exercise called the uh, Cobra Gold. And this happened in February 2018. Now, this is despite the U.S., you know, terming uh, Myanmar's military crackdown on the Rohingya Muslims as ethnic cleansing, quote, ethnic cleansing. The U.S. has had historical ties with the Myanmar military. Myanmar has sent more officers to the United States than any other country, according to uh, Meng Ang Myo, the author of Building the Tadmadao Myanmar Armed Forces since 1948. So on the one hand, the United States makes these verbal gestures, applies certain sanctions, but then by their hidden hand, it seeks its national interest at the expense of the Muslims. Now, added to this is the role of the United is the role of the UN. Now, despite even the UN's verbal gestures or the international community's verbal gestures and the so-called international human rights organizations and the laws that they call for, none whatsoever have provided any due protection or legal recourse for the Rohingya Muslims. Now, coming to the immigration status of Rohingyas in the United States. Now, the U.S. has provided, in terms of what it provides in legal protection at home, for example, in 2015, approximately 4,000 Rohingya refugees were admitted to the United States. That number fell far down uh, during the Trump administration. So, for example, in 2019, the U.S. admitted only 593 Rohingyas. Now, Biden, on the other hand, you know, he recently launched a joint uh, resource plan this year uh, called the Rohingya Humanitarian Crisis, pledging about $155 million in new assistance to support the Rohingya refugees uh, and the host communities in Bangladesh. Similarly, also what we see that within the recent coup d'etat that happened in February of this year, the United States has placed certain sanctions on key military figures in the military junta. Now, despite a slight change in policies on how to deal with the new regime, the U.S. has only taken 125,000 uh, refugees from Myanmar over the past 10 years. Now, that includes the Obama administration uh, as well as the Trump administration. Now, the, going back to the history of the United States, the U.S. has a dark history of its, very, of its own on how it treated its minorities in the past like the Native Americans, like the African Americans, like the Chinese and the Japanese, just to name a few. The U.S., you know, by law, for example, it put Japanese in concentration camps and black people were enslaved. And not too long ago, a whole society was segregated by the Jim Crow laws. Moreover, there is fear-mongering of immigrants or refugees that, are, that is rife in this country currently. So the point is, and the point that has to be made, is that the so-called legal protections or human rights are subject to change at the whims of the national interest and the nationalistic tendencies or identities. Muslims, for example, here in the United States are looked at with suspicion. They are criminalized by anti-terrorism laws. They are spied upon by police and federal agencies. And Muslim communities are infiltrated by counter-violent extremism programs. Hatred against Islam and the Muslims is fostered by politicians and the media alike. There is anti-immigrant sentiments and there is a fear of the foreign Muslim. Now, this spans both the Republican and the gov Democratic governments. And now all of this is due to nationalism 
and the nation state concept of statehood. Now, this concept of statehood, based upon the sense of nationality, has caused death and destruction throughout the world. It is, it is divisive at its core, and, and it has caused millions of deaths and endless wars of domination. Nationalism, it feeds on dominating the other, while falsely elevating the self the family, the tribe, and the nation state upon which certain identities that it holds and it builds its people on. It incites fear of the other, and it builds on this perceived threat of the other. Nationalism has failed even Western countries to unite its people, to bring about harmonious societies. For example, in the recent, the recent riots that we have seen in the United States with the police killings and the Black Lives Matter movement, these are prime examples of how Western liberal societies that are built on nationalism or the nation-state concept have, have failed to build a harmonious society and failed to bring people together. Nationalism and the nation-state model upon which this so-called postmodern world is built upon, it actually dehumanizes other races and ethnicities. It views immigrants as an economic burden. It discriminates based on color of its people. It discriminates based on economic status. And it, and it views people from an economic or a political interest perspective rather than looking at people from a, for, as human beings and taking care of their sufferings and, 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 and their well-being. The nationalism, it has perpetuated war and indiscriminate violence against helpless poor people. And it has denied people rights and protection from the very laws the nation state implements. Now, as far as Islam is concerned, Rasul Sallallahu he says that he, anyone who calls for a sabiyah, nationalism, or who fights for a sabiyya, or who dies for a sabiyya, he's not one of us. So Islam, categorically, it rejects nationalism, and it views people of different colors, races, ethnicities, tribes, cultures, different languages, as human beings that are protected and are afforded rights by the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the shara by its very definition it is unbiased and does not discriminate against certain people, certain, certain ethnicities, certain colors, certain genders, or whether you're a Muslim or a Kafir. For centuries, under the Khilafah state, varied people were governed by the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the track record of the Khilafah state is a prime example of how Islam brought different peoples together and built a harmonious society. For example, an English writer, H.G. Wells, he writes about the justice of the Khilafah. He says, quote, they established great traditions of just tolerance. They inspired people with a spirit of generosity and tolerance and are humanitarian and practical. They created a humane community in which it was rare to see cruelty and social injustice, unlike any community that came before it, end quote. Now, I would like to add something more. I would say that any, it, it, this example of what he talks about, I would add that on any nation state that has come after it. And I ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, where, in which country, in the current world order, can such a situation be seen? Our concept from Islam of building a society, bringing different people together and organizing a state is drastically different than the nation state concept. Our vision for the world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That, oh Muhammad, we have sent to you, we have sent you, oh Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, only as a mercy for, whole, for the whole world, for, the, for humanity, for mankind. So our vision is to bring mercy to the world. 
the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the mercy of this deen of Islam. It is to build a state with compassion for human beings. It is not to be brutal and genocidal like what we see today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, Kitabun Anzalnahu ilayka li tukhrijan nasa minu dhulumati ila nur. Bi'idhni rabbihim ila sirat al-aziz al-hamid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, we have revealed to you this book, this, this Quran, so that you may bring nations, you may bring people from all different parts of the world out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. وآخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته treated its minorities in the past, like the Native Americans, like the African Americans, like the Chinese and the Japanese, just to name a few. The U.S., you know, by law, for example, it put Japanese in concentration camps and black people were enslaved. And not too long ago, a whole society was segregated by the Jim Crow laws. Moreover, there is fear-mongering of immigrants or refugees that, are, that is rife in this country currently. So the point is, and the point that has to be made, is that the so-called legal protections or human rights are subject to change at the whims of the national interest and the nationalistic tendencies or identities. Muslims, for example, here in the United States are looked at with suspicion. They are criminalized by anti-terrorism laws. They're spied upon by police and federal agencies. And Muslim communities are infiltrated by counter-violent extremism programs. Hatred against Islam and the Muslims is fostered by politicians and the media alike. There is anti-immigrant sentiments and there is a fear of the foreign Muslim. Now, this spans both the Republican and the Democratic governments. And now all of this is due to nationalism and the nation-state concept of statehood. Now, this concept of statehood, based upon the sense of nationality, has caused death and destruction throughout the world. It is, it is divisive at its core, and, and it has caused millions of deaths, and endless wars of domination. Nationalism, it feeds on dominating the other while falsely elevating the self, the family, the tribe, and the nation state upon which certain identities that it holds and it builds its people on. It incites fear of the other and it builds on this perceived threat of the other. Nationalism has failed even Western countries to unite its people, to bring about harmonious societies. For example, in the recent, the recent riots that we have seen in the United States with the police killings and the Black Lives Matter movement, these are prime examples of how Western liberal societies that are built on nationalism or the nation-state concept have, have failed to build a harmonious society and failed to bring people together. Nationalism and the nation-state model upon which this so-called postmodern world is built upon, it actually dehumanizes other races and ethnicities. It views immigrants as an economic burden. It discriminates based on color of its people. It discriminates based on economic status. And it, and it views people from an economic or a political interest perspective, rather than looking at people from a, for, as human beings and taking care of their sufferings and, 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 and their well-being. 
It, the nationalism, it has perpetuated war and indiscriminate violence against helpless poor people. And it has denied people rights and protection from the very laws the nation state implements. Now, as far as Islam is concerned, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi he says that he, anyone who calls for a sabiyah, nationalism, or who fights for a sabiyah, or who dies for a sabiyah, he's not one of us. So Islam categorically, it rejects nationalism and it views people of different colors, races, ethnicities, tribes, cultures, different languages as human beings that are protected and are afforded rights by the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the shara by its very definition, it is unbiased and does not discriminate against certain people, certain, certain ethnicities, certain colors, certain genders, or whether you're a Muslim or a Kafir. For centuries, under the Khilafah state, varied people were governed by the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the track record of the Khilafah state is a prime example of how Islam brought different peoples together and built a harmonious society. For example, an English writer, H.G. Wells, he writes about the justice of the Khilafah. He says, quote, they established great traditions of just tolerance. They inspire people with a spirit of generosity and tolerance and are humanitarian and practical. They created a humane community in which it was rare to see cruelty and social injustice, unlike any community that came before it, end quote. Now, I would like to add something more. I would say that any, it, it, this example of what he talks about, I would add that on any nation state that has come after it. And I ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, where, in which country, in the current world order, can such a situation be seen? Our concept from Islam of building a society, bringing different people together and organizing a state is drastically different than the nation state concept. Our vision for the world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That, oh Muhammad, we have sent to you, we have sent you, oh Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, only as a mercy for, whole, for the whole world, for, the, for humanity, for mankind. So our vision is to bring mercy to the world. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the mercy of this deen of Islam. It is to build a state with compassion for human beings. It is not to be brutal and genocidal like what we see today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, Kitabun Anzalnahu ilayka li tukhrijan nasa minul dhulumati ila nur. Bi idni rabbihim ila sirat al aziz al hamid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, we have revealed to you this book, this, this Quran, so that you may bring nations, you may bring people from all different parts of the world out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. وآخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته to bring people together nationalism and the nation state model upon which this so-called postmodern world is built upon it actually dehumanizes other races and ethnicities it views immigrants as an economic burden. It discriminates based on color of its people. It discriminates based on economic status. And it, and it views people from an economic 
or a political interest perspective, rather than looking at people from a, for, as human beings and taking care of their sufferings and, 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 and their well-being. It, the nationalism, it has perpetuated war and indiscriminate violence against helpless poor people. And it has denied people rights and protection from the very laws the nation state implements. Now, as far as Islam is concerned, Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says that he, anyone who calls for Asabiya, nationalism, or who fights for Asabiya, or who dies for Asabiya, he's not one of us. So Islam categorically, it rejects nationalism and it views people of different colors, races, ethnicities, tribes, cultures, different languages as human beings that are protected and are afforded rights by the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is the shara by its very definition. It is unbiased. And does not discriminate against certain people, certain, certain ethnicities, certain colors, certain genders, or whether you're a Muslim or a Kafir. For centuries, under the Khilafah state, varied people were governed by the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the track record of the Khilafah state is a prime example of how Islam brought different peoples together and built a harmonious society. For example, an English writer, H.G. Wells, he writes about the justice of the Khilafah. He says, quote, they established great traditions of just tolerance. They inspire people with a spirit of generosity and tolerance and are humanitarian and practical. They created a humane community in which it was rare to see cruelty and social injustice, unlike any community that came before it, end quote. Now, I would like to add something more. I would say that any, it, it, this example of what he talks about, I would add that on any nation state that has come after it. And I ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, where, in which country, in the current world order, can such a situation be seen? Our concept from Islam of building a society, bringing different people together and organizing a state is drastically different than the nation state concept. Our vision for the world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That, O oh Muhammad, we have sent to you, we have sent you, O oh Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, only as a mercy for, ho- for the whole world, for, the, for humanity, for mankind. So our vision is to bring mercy to the world. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mercy of this deen of Islam. It is to build a state with compassion for human beings. It is not to be brutal and genocidal like what we see today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra Kitabun Anzalnahu Ilaika Litukrija Nasa Minul Dulumati Ila Nur Bidni Rabbihim Ila Sirat al Aziz al Hamid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, Alif Lam Ra. We have revealed to you this book, this this Quran, so that you may bring nations, you may bring people from all different parts of the world out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. وآخر الدعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته people were governed by the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the track record 
of the Khilafah state is a prime example of how Islam brought different peoples together and built a harmonious society. For example, an English writer, H.G. Wells, he writes about the justice of the Khilafah. He says, quote, they established great traditions of just tolerance. They inspire people with a spirit of generosity and tolerance and are humanitarian and practical. They created a humane community in which it was rare to see cruelty and social injustice, unlike any community that came before it, end quote. Now, I would like to add something more. I would say that any, it, it, this example of what he talks about, I would add that on any nation state that has come after it, and I ask you, my dear brothers and sisters, where, in which country, in the current world order, can such a situation be seen? Our concept from Islam of building a society, bringing different people together, and organizing a state is drastically different than the nation state concept. Our vision for the world that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That, O oh Muhammad, we have sent to you, we have sent you, O oh Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, only as a mercy for, ho- for the whole world, for, the, for humanity, for mankind. So our vision is to bring mercy to the world. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the mercy of this deen of Islam. It is to build a state with compassion, for human beings. It is not to be brutal and genocidal like what we see today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, kitabun anzalnahu ilayka li tukhrijan nasa minul dhulumati ila nur bi'idhni rabbihim ila sirat al-aziz al-hamid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, we have revealed to you this book, this, this Quran, so that you may bring nations, you may bring people from all different parts of the world out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. وَآخِرَ الدَّعْوَانَ أَنَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ وَأَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ of building a society, bringing different people together, and organizing a state is drastically different than the nation-state concept. Our vision for the world, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ That, O oh Muhammad, we have sent to you, we have sent you, O oh Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, only as a mercy for, ho- for the whole world, for, the, for humanity, for mankind. So our vision is to bring mercy to the world. The mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mercy of this deen of Islam. It is to build a state with compassion for human beings. It is not to be brutal and genocidal like what we see today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, kitabun anzalnahu ilayka li tukhrijan nasa minul dhulumati ila nur. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, we have revealed to you this book, this, this Quran, so that you may bring nations, you may bring people from all different parts of the world out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy 
that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. passion for human beings. It is not to be brutal and genocidal like what we see today. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, kitabun anzalnahu ilayka li tukhrijan nasa minu dhulumati ila nur bi'idhni rabbihim ila sirat al-aziz al-hamid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Alif Lam Ra, we have revealed to you this book, this, this Quran, so that you may bring nations you may bring people from all different parts of the world out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. You may bring people from all different parts of the world, out of the darknesses that they're living in to the light of Islam by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one, the almighty, the all praiseworthy. It is this mercy that we bring to humanity to take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. Take them out of the darknesses and the blight of nationalism and the concept of the nation state model to the rule of Islam under the Khilafah state. It is only this Khilafah state that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. that can bring an end to the genocides created by nationalism. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran tafsir, and sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.